Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is June 14th, 2021, and here with me is someone I give a strong review, astrologer <laughs> April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hi, Jen. Well, thank you for that. A Leo always <laughs> likes to hear that. Sure. We live for the good reviews. Sure, a Leo does. And speaking of good reviews, yes, I have to say, we got the loveliest review on Apple Podcasts. Shall I share it with the listeners? I would love that. This is from SD404. I look forward to this podcast every week. April's interpretations of the transits are unique and relatable. The show wouldn't be complete without Jen, the co-host, if I may say. I do agree with that. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> These two ladies mesh well together and make the weekly astro forecast so enjoyable. I also try to harmonize to moon watch with you two each week. So fun. Worth a listen. That's really sweet. I love to... I really love Thank it. Thank you so much to this person. It's so, so kind. I love the idea that people are out there because we hear that about people singing along with Moonwatch and really <laughs> enjoying it. And it just started as a silly thing. So anyway, yeah. we enjoy it. And thank you. Things like that just warm the cockles of our little podcaster hearts. Yes, we were delighted to see that review. So truly, thank you for leaving that for us. We appreciate it. SD404. Yes, yeah. make yourself known. We love you. Totally. Jen, it is our 86th episode. What should we do for our 86th episode, do you think? I have a thought. Do tell. Why don't we share our favorite songs from 1986 <laughs> as part of an ongoing project of April and Jen's favorite hits from the 80s? What do you think? That sounds delightful. You go first. Wait, I think I went first last week. You did not. <laughs> no, I know I did because I... Wait, is that true? <laughs> no, I think that's true. Okay, okay. Why don't you start and tell us what your favorite songs of 1986 are? This was a really hard one, Jen. Was it? We're getting into the white, hot heart of the 1980s here, and this is prime April time. Okay. So it's hard. These are an integral part of the soundtrack of my life. But for 1986, I'm going with two, it was hard to cut it down, but two of my very favorite ballads. I can't wait to hear what they are. And my number one choice, I'm going to go with Holding Back the Years by Simply oh, Red. Yes. That's, yeah, I absolutely love that song. That really does make me think of 1986, that song. Oh, so so, so powerful and so poignant, and his voice is so beautiful. You really like those ballads. I really do. It's all ballads for me. And thank goodness for you coming with the more upbeat. And <laughs> now, the other one is also a ballad. In fact, everything I loved on this list for this year really was a power ballad. What is it? It's In Your Eyes by Peter oh, Gabriel. I have a story about that song. Do you want to share it? In 1986, my best friend and I made a mixtape called Master Mix of the 80s. I still have it. And on this mixtape is Peter Gabriel's In Your Eyes, except when he sings, In Your Eyes. There's like a scratch in the record because <laughs> I taped it from a record to a tape. Uh -huh. And whenever I hear that song, I think of it skipping right there because I listened to that tape so much. I'm with you. It's like we were talking about eight-track tapes on that episode. Yeah. And I was telling you how I remembered certain songs in my mind and my memory. They skip over in the middle of the song. 
So those are my two very, very favorites. There are others I could name, but what are your favorites for that year, Jen? Okay, pal, my number one pick for 1986 is from Madonna, the song Live to Tell. Yes, that was on my list. That was on your list? That was on my list. I came so close to that being one of my picks. Wow. I love that. Now, I'm not a big Madonna fan. I don't know about you, but I love that song. It's a fantastic song. Ballad. It is a ballad, yeah. Yeah. Okay, my second pick is from the incomparable Whitney Houston. And the song is How Will I Know. Great song. Whitney Houston. What a voice. What a singer. When I think of the great voices of, you know, as I was growing up, Karen Carpenter, Mm -hmm. and say what you will about the Carpenter's music, kind of sentimental, a little bit poppy and drippy, but my God, that voice. And absolutely the same with Whitney Houston. Wow. Could listen to her sing anything. Great choices. I'm so excited that for the first time, it seems, we had a song that was on both of our lists. I guess it was the first time. How funny. Mine came that close. Well, see, but you're getting a little older by then. I know. It's true. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And it's so delightful to be sharing these little audio sentimental journeys with you. And we'll remind everybody that we are keeping a YouTube list, and we'll put a link in the show notes so that you can go and listen to a whole playlist of our top choices from the 1980s. Yes, and you can leave your comments about your favorite songs from the 1980s at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. Folks, we're not hearing from enough of you on that. We want to hear your songs. Do you think people just want us to be done with this whole project? Maybe they do. I don't know. But (laughs) hey, what can we say? We're enjoying it. And everybody knows if they're not digging it, they could fast forward about five minutes in each of these 80s episodes and move on with your lives. Anyway, well, since this is an astrology podcast, as the lovely Joni has, your wife has reminded us. True. It's true. Let's take a look at the astrology for this week. Jen, what do we have to kick? things off. We start this week with one of the signature transits of 2021. Saturn squares Uranus for the second time on June 14th at 3.01 p.m. Pacific time at 13 degrees and six minutes of Aquarius and Taurus. Yeah, it is the second of three squares that we'll have, and the first was on February 17th. So if you want to hear more about what we said, then you can go back to episode 69, Saturn and Uranus. That escalated quickly. (laughs) That was a great title. I enjoyed that too. (laughs) Yeah, for all fans of Ron Burgundy. And then the last of these exact aspects will be on December 24th. But thanks to our colleague, Rick Levine, you heard him uh, shout out on a recent podcast that the two planets will also come just within a hair's breadth of making another conjunction. And this will be in October of next year. So it's a ways off. We can't necessarily call all clear as of Christmas Day on this one. It's going to hold over for a while. What will be interesting at that time is Saturn's actually going to be stationing direct as it's making that almost square to Uranus. So that'd be pretty powerful. You mean in October of 2022? Yes. The things that we are seeing now as we are having the second of these squares, you know, the first time in February, then in December, we may think everything's resolved. And then at that time, it's like, oh, no, wait a minute. There are other things that you didn't quite take care of. Right. So that is what is coming on the horizon. So Saturn, as we've said before, is a planet that tries to constrain and to make laws and rules and to create structures, whereas Uranus really wants to break free. And it does not like to be contained. Think of it as a wild horse that just doesn't want to be contained in any way. 
And so it's the part of us that is a little bit rebellious and acts out and doesn't like to be told what to do, frankly. This leads to a lot of pressure. And I am noticing now that things are opening up a little bit and I'm out on the freeways more and things like that, people are driving crazy. Are they? It's worse than ever, Mm. at least here where I'm at. And I think it's that pent up energy. (laughs) I'm just thinking of that SNL skit. What skit? What skit? Tell me. I take the 405 to... (laughs) Oh, the Californians. Yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And dump you out of Mulholland where you belong. (laughs) That is so apt, I can't even tell you. It's it's funny because it's true. I'll post a link in the show notes. (laughs) Please do. It's apt, but it's crazy. People are worse than ever. And I think it's that pent-up restlessness and people really feeling rebellious and like they don't want to be told what to do and all this stuff in the news about people acting up on airplanes and stuff. Oh, I haven't heard any of that. Have you been following that? No. What's going on? On this one flight, a passenger got disgruntled with flight attendants, and punched her and knocked out two of her teeth. Wow. People are out of control in the suddenly unfriendly skies. You know what that makes me think of, actually, is that Venus, who rules Taurus, mm-hmm. where Uranus is, is out of bounds right now in Cancer. Oh. And Venus will be out of bounds until June 18th of this week. And people are out of bounds. I think people have completely lost their manners. Yeah. I object. Do it. In the most strenuous possible terms. (laughs) So anyway, these are a few of the things it's not surprising to see as Saturn and Uranus were in conflict with each other. And you'll probably be hearing more of those kinds of stories in the news, seeing it play out in the world around you. Because Saturn's connected with career, you can also see some sudden changes in your career trajectory, either for good or for ill, and those kinds of things. I think people who will be especially impacted by this in a personal sense will probably be the Saturn and Uranus world people. So if you've got a lot of planets in Capricorn or Aquarius in your chart, you may be feeling more of this tension. Those are things for people to look out for. All right. Jen, do you know what time it is? What time is it? It is Moonwatch. Moonwatch. <laughs> Yes, my friend, it is Moonwatch. This week we have a Virgo first quarter moon on June 17th, which we're dying to tell you about. But first, we would like to introduce you to our latest and one of our dearest non-imaginary sponsors, Bernard Charles, the Color Mage. Let me tell you a little bit about Bernard. Bernard Charles was kicked out of his house at 14 years old, and today he's Pittsburgh's favorite color expert and the creator behind the world's largest color therapy card decks, one which is called the Color Mage Oracle and the other is the Change Your Mood Oracle. Bernard's color therapy card decks, and I have one right here, let me tell you, are meant to leave people with a tool to help them understand their own energy in this world so that the places that we go, the people that we come in contact with, and the things that we do are purposefully intentional. It's really about expanding our own self-expression. He says that all color has a special meaning and a message, and that this notion helps us investigate and understand our lives for the greater good. It's also important to know that the Color Oracle cards are a tool, 
but they're not designed to replace, gaslight, or silence your intuition, which I love. Yeah, don't gaslight my intuition, man. <laughs> Saturn is square Uranus. I won't stand for it. Also, that any gender can eat, wear, and work any color into their life to change their mood and discover themselves. Now, Bernard was kind enough to send us his very awesome card decks. So, pal, why don't you go ahead and pick one and let us know how it works? Okay. I have chosen perhaps the most appropriate card for a Leo individual. What is it? The card says majestic. Oh, that is Leo. And you should see the colors. They're absolutely beautiful. It's this sort of striated, multicolored. It looks like a sky. Mm. It looks very much like a desert sky at sunset when things are really going crazy. And it's absolutely beautiful. Awesome. So there are some helpful phrases that are written on this card as well. Get this. It says, challenge the status quo. That sounds like Saturn square Uranus. It does. This is so perfect how this worked. (laughs) It's also about personal evolution and own your own life story. Sounds very solar. It is. And I'm currently, you know, to bring the astrology part into it, Saturn by transit is opposed my sun right now, Mm. my natal sun, and Uranus is getting ready to square it. So my son is really the focal point in my birth chart of this big connection between Saturn and Uranus. So it's not surprising to me that this is the helpful oracle card that I have chosen. I'm going to take these phrases to heart and leave this card out on my desk today. So it will remind me to evolve, to evolve. That sounds perfect. So Bernard's a lifestyle coach for the LGBTQ community, as well as a certified instructor in meditation, and his fantastic work has been featured in numerous publications. He currently sees clients privately and works with avant-garde brands in the entertainment, finance, and wellness industries to inspire conversations to help you find your truth using color psychology. If you're interested in learning more about Bernard and his work, you can find him and his beautiful color oracle cards at thecolormage.com. Again, thecolormage.com, all one word. My Virgo planets enjoyed how you spelled that. Yes, I had noted (laughs) you doing it before and wanted to follow your fine example. Thank you so much, Bernard, for supporting the podcast. Thanks, Bernard. Okay, pal, please tell us about this Virgo first quarter moon. But first, let me say that it happens on June 17th at 8.54 p.m. Pacific time at 27 degrees, 9 minutes. The moon's in Virgo and the sun, of course, is in Gemini. Yeah, first quarter moon is the time in the lunar cycle where we are invited to take action, any kind of action. Often it's very intuitive action on something usually that we conceived at the previous new moon or maybe at the new moon that began this lunar phase family, which was back at the September 17th, 2020 new moon at 25 degrees Virgo. We'll put a link in the show notes to tell you a little bit more about the lunar phase families. It's really fascinating. Our friend Celeste told us about it. Totally. The sun and the moon at this first quarter moon are in a T-square with Neptune. Kind of interesting because the sun and moon are both in Mercury-ruled signs, the sun in Gemini, the moon in Virgo, which inclines us towards taking mental action. The Neptune getting into the middle of all that and opposing the moon and squaring the sun. So we're inclined to interpret Neptune always as being clouding the issue, making it hard to figure out what direction we're going in maybe or how we want to approach it. When Neptune says there is a huge intuitive element to the actions that we are asked to take, 
at this first quarter moon, and that we should try to trust that intuition and ride it a little bit. That fits with the color oracle cards, too. Oh! Trust your intuition. It does! Yes, very much so. The other big things that are happening in this first quarter moon chart are, of course, Saturn Uranus, and they're also in a T-square with Mars. Mars is in Leo, and it's opposed Saturn and square Uranus at this first quarter moon. That is also a big part of what's propelling us forward. We feel in some sense that we have been holding ourselves back maybe for too long, and we want to really get moving. And a lot of that's just the world opening up a little bit from the pandemic, the quarantine, the lockdowns, and people really feeling they want to hit the ground running and get some things going. Always you have to be a little bit careful when Mars is interacting with Uranus. It can make us a little bit rash sometimes, a little bit impulsive, not necessarily watching where we're going. And Saturn has a very physical element to it. So I don't want to be alarmist about it, but I just want to say this is not the time to be taking big physical risks that you don't have to take. This may not be the great first quarter moon for learning to go hang gliding or something like that. Because just know that what's happening is the body, the temperament, the external circumstances around you are not flowing real smoothly. And that is often when we tend to get in accidents or something like that. So just be a little bit careful. So anything that folks could do to slow down, it sounds like, would be helpful, whether it's you're feeling reactive and you count to three or 10 or something like that, or just maybe putting off the hang gliding lesson until next month. Exactly. And you know, as much as I started all this saying, yeah, Neptune doesn't always cloud the issue, but sometimes it kind of does if we're trying to move real fast and push things. So not pushing things is probably a good idea because the fundamental T-square really in this chart is the sun, the moon, and Neptune. Just be a little bit cautious out there. But let yourself be energized and impulsive around following your intuition in a direction towards some project or something that you're doing. It's a little more intellectually focused, maybe. That's pretty safe if you're sitting inside at your desk or something. I like the Sabian symbols together for the sun and the moon here. It's just kind of funny. What are they? The Sabian symbol for the moon at 28 Virgo is a bald-headed man. And Sabian symbol for 28 Gemini is a man declared bankrupt. And I'm just thinking this is like the least popular guy on Tinder, you know. He's bankrupt. He's bald-headed. This is not working for him. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No, it's not <laughs> Seinfeld that there's anything. Yes, not that there, hey, my hair's not as thick as it used to be either. So I'm sure there are all kinds of really interesting interpretations of that. But frankly, I don't have anything for you at this time. I just thought the two together looked like. Not really the best profile. That is our first quarter moon. Anything else you want to say about that, Jen? This moon in Virgo is ruled by Mercury retrograde in Gemini. It is. What does that tell us? I think maybe the key to the action that you're invited to take has its origins in the past. Mm. So it's a past project. Past people come along to make an invitation to you. That it's something you've been thinking about for a while, maybe. And again, always with Mercury retrograde, it's like taking action doesn't mean that you have to take permanent action. Take some kind of action just to get the ball rolling, but be careful about overcommitting. Don't keep yourself boxed in to the things that you begin at this time. Try not to sign contracts. 
or making commitments. You may know that as you're making the commitment, you're over-promising, or you have that feeling, you think, oh, I'll just promise anyway, don't do that. Because with Mercury retrograde, once it's direct again, you may find you're just really not able to keep those promises. Very interesting. Good catch. Good catch about that Mercury retrograde. Thanks. What else do we have? Next on the show sheet, Jupiter is turning retrograde on June 20th at 8.05 a.m. Pacific time at 2 degrees and 11 minutes of Pisces. Now I know that it is turning retrograde on a Sabian symbol with some personal significance for you, Jen. This is on my north node. I've never known quite what to make of that. Well, I remember going through the petrified forest in Arizona as a kid Mm -hmm. and really loving it. We went through it a few times, driving back and forth from the Midwest to California. And it's beautiful. Petrified wood is a fossil, basically. So there was this element of keeping things frozen in time. And they take on a particular beauty. I mean, they're more like rock than wood. And they're very, very beautiful, and people do polish them up and make beautiful things from them. So I think maybe it's just, if I would take one little thing from it, maybe it's this idea of something captured in time. And that can be positive, it can be negative. To remain frozen in one point of view or one activity or one career or one relationship that isn't working, any of those things, of course, isn't a great thing. And so much of what we've talked about this week has been about the nature of Saturn and Uranus together and how when we feel that we're static or we're sort of frozen in something that our instinct is to rebel. So it may have some of that quality. Jupiter is not necessarily a planet that to me speaks of this petrified state, but it is in Pisces. There is something eternal and timeless maybe about this Sabian symbol. And when I think of things that are really old and that last, I think of wisdom, maybe. Mm -hmm. And beauty. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just us. Maybe we just like that kind of stuff. You know? (laughs) I thought you meant maybe that was us. We're old and we're beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, we're old and beautiful. That is us, too. You're absolutely right. So Jupiter is retrograde a lot of the time, of course, maybe about five months out of the year, I think it is. It's been direct since September 12th of 2020. It last turned retrograde May 14th, 2020, so almost a year ago. And when Jupiter is retrograde, for me, my interpretation always about retrograde planets is to go within and figure out what knowledge you possess in the areas represented by this planet. So this is Jupiter. This is about your belief system. What do you believe about the world? And of course, as the south node of the moon's been going through Sagittarius for almost a year and a half, we've spent a lot of time on this podcast saying things like, don't fall victim to the idea that you know everything, which is one of Sagittarius's shadow qualities. But I think particularly as Jupiter goes retrograde, there's something to be said for looking within to figure out what really feels right to you, what aligns with your ethics and with your belief system. So Jupiter is a little bit judgy, that's his job, but when he's in Pisces, he judges us a little more kindly. And I think it's a time to look within and do some self-analysis rather than judgment, but give yourself a report card. How am I doing? It's a little different than Saturn, which grades us on a different scale. It's about, okay, how are you doing with getting your finances in order? 
and getting all the things done around the house you need to do and getting the promotions you want at work or whatever it is. It's much more external. I think Jupiter is always more about, in a philosophical sense, how are we doing? Are we getting it done? What do you think of that? I think of Jupiter and Pisces as, you know how we've described Saturn as the school's principal of the zodiac? Yes. Well, I'm trying to think of what a good character. Jupiter is the king. Jupiter is the king. Okay. So if you're doing an old, you know, if you're doing Henry IV or something, or Richard III, God forbid, you've got a monarch, Mm -hmm. and he has a particular style. We get so caught up astrologically in thinking of Jupiter as this wonderfully benefic Santa Claus. But really, he's got this very majestic side, which is the card I pulled from Bernard's deck. It's the king. Mm -hmm. So we know, okay, the king is now wearing a Piscean garb. So what's that king like? In Pisces, it would be intuitive, maybe, and thoughtful and sensitive. Mm -hmm. Very kind. Yeah. A monarch beloved of the people, Mm -hmm. and especially of the downtrodden, which is associated with Pisces a lot of the time. And maybe he drinks too much wine in Pisces. He probably gets into the meat a little (laughs) bit. He does, if we're honest. Yes, that is what he's doing. So he's now retrograde. And maybe he's been going along in Aquarius and instituting a lot of new laws and programs and all of this designed to move society forward. But maybe now that it's gone into Pisces and now that it's going to go retrograde, he's going, well, are those exactly the right policies? Is that exactly the right direction to be going? Am I really seeing my people happier, healthier, and more well-adjusted as a result of these policies? He'll peek back into Aquarius for a little while, not too long from now, and he'll review those policies. He'll say, okay, is that the right scheme? And by the time he's fully and finally in Pisces towards the end of the year, then we will see him in all his majesty being hopefully a very kind monarch. That's nice. Well, guess what time of year it is, my friend? Do tell. It's practically the solstice. How did that happen? One day at a time, my friend. One day at a time. One podcast at a time. Oh, my gosh. At the end of this week, on June 20th at 8.32 p.m., the sun will enter Cancer, which ushers in the solstice. That's the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere and, of course, the winter solstice down under. So this is the time of year when the sun seems to stand still in its sort of its north-south trajectory. Basically, it's gotten as high up in the sky at noon as it's going to get. And our days are the longest they're going to be here in the northern hemisphere. And then henceforth, through the September equinox, the days will gradually begin to contract, get shorter and shorter, and the sun will get ever lower in the noonday sky. So what this gives us is a vision always with the solstice of the sun standing still. And what does that mean? It seems like two moments in the year, in the summer and in the winter, where we are asked to stand still in our tracks. And if you think about what this time of year is like, and we'll just, we can only speak from our northern hemisphere perspective, but this time of year here, it's people going to the ocean. It's people taking a lot of vacations at this time of year. 
spending more time with their families, which is very Cancerian, and taking it easy and just basically letting themselves be. And of course, this is not everybody, but this is the overall vibe. If you ask someone to describe summer, they're going to say, oh, yeah, it's time. We, as kids, we used to go on vacation. We weren't in school. Our parents said, you know, take us on a road trip. We'd go to the ocean, whatever it is. That is a little bit what the summer solstice is about. And it's really the beginning of summer here, even though it's starting to get warm already a lot of places. And of course, here in Minnesota, it's going up to the lake, to the cabin. A lot of folks do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm in San Diego, so we don't go anywhere. Yeah. We're just, you know, I sort of wave from five miles away and say, hello, shit, because it's too crowded. If I try to go to the ocean, forget it. It's nuts. So you live near the ocean and you never see it? We rarely see it. I'm not ever a big beach person. Mm -hmm. But when we go to the Central Coast, as we do in the off seasons, that's when I get my fill of the ocean and we stay right by the ocean. Yeah. We take walks and all that. I don't like the heat, really. I don't like walking in sand. It's too much like hard work. So, yeah. Sounds like you need to move to Minnesota if you don't like the heat. <laughs> oh, it's been so long. You know, I mean, it has been a long time. So this is Mercury retrograde. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I thought I would re-say that you should move to Minnesota. I really appreciate that. I've missed it. I thought you didn't want me anymore, Jen. Oh, so April. This no, feels, come on over. This is very validating. Indeed. Excellent. So, of course, we will be talking in vast detail about this three-month solstice season in our special episode that will be going out to all of our podcast donors. Yes. Probably within a day or two before the actual solstice. Thank you for remembering to say that. Mm-hmm. So if you are a person who's donated even $5 for the whole year to the podcast, you will get access to this special episode. And we will be sending out a link by email. And if you have not received that link, definitely by June 20th, please check your spam folder in your inbox because a lot of those messages end up there, especially our Gmail and Yahoo users. So know that. Great. Well, my friend, it appears that we've gotten to the end of our show sheet. Have we done it? We've done it. We'll just wait on pins and needles until next week so we can see what April picks for 1987. We are on tenterhooks. Whatever it is, certainly it will be majestic. It will indeed. <laughs> Thanks to all of you good friends for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. We hope that you like what you're hearing. And if you do, please subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a rating or a review. Also, we hope that you will spread the word by just telling an astrology-loving friend about the show. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments, including your top picks for 1986, about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We are extremely grateful to everyone who showed support during our Podathon last fall. Each week, of course, we do thank some of you by name. Who is it this week, April? This week, we are giving a Big Sky Astrology Podcast shout out to Anna S. Kelly, Christine Lankenau, and Tiffany Josephs. Yay! <laughs> Anna, Christine, and Tiffany, we appreciate you so much. We really want to thank you for not only listening to the podcast, but also supporting us during last September's Podathon. Thanks to the three of you. 
If you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our potathon, you can always make a contribution at our website, bigskyastropod.com. And if you donate $5 or more, as April said earlier, we'll invite you to our special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices. Pal, it's going to be potathon season again soon. It's coming up soon. It is coming up. Last time we did it at Labor Day, and our plans are not completely set yet, mm-hmm. but you can expect something from us for a potathon spectacular. We're super excited. Yeah, we will have more details in a future episode. We will indeed. And that's it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us and we'll catch you next time.